If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to uh, Proverbs this morning, Proverbs chapter 29, and we're going to look at um, verse 18. Yeah, I thought I had my Bible marked and I was wrong. I obviously do not. But Proverbs 29, a verse of scripture that will be familiar to many of you, but uh, one that is key what we're going to talk about this morning, the importance of our core values. And Solomon said in verse 18 of chapter 29, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. That's the New American Standard Translation. And if you looked at the uh, English Standard Version, it would say much the same thing. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. The New International Version says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no vision. And that's what we're going to be talking about along with the emphasis on core values, which is to say what we believe most deeply and why we believe it and what impact it has upon us as individuals and the members of the body of believers at the Alliance Bible Church in McHenry. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning and emphasizing essentially the need for core values. It is my privilege today to be able to really kick off a series of sermons that uh, the pastor will be preaching next Sunday on, and that is to talk about this thing of core values, and especially the core values of the Christian Missionary Alliance, our denomination. And they're in your uh, outline this morning. I hope everyone will have a copy of the study guide so that you can follow along most easily with that. But in particular, it's going to be my privilege this morning to give an overview of the importance of core values and what role they play in our ministry here, and also what role they ought to play in our individual ministries as believers and members of this body of believers at Alliance Bible Church. It has been my privilege over the years to participate in strategic planning in a couple, in more than one organization. And I can remember when I was first exposed to something that was called kind of the strategic planning process that was vision-driven. I went to a conference in 1988 in Point Clear, Alabama, and heard a presentation by a fellow that was a consultant with Arthur Young at the time. And he talked about the, the vision-driven organization and why it was so important for organizations to have a vision which says, this is what we want to be. This is the future. This is what we're aiming toward. This is what our whole energies are directed toward for the future, the, uh, the fulfillment of the vision we have. And if you notice on the back of your study guide at the bottom left-hand corner, there is a diagram. And those of you who know me know that I like diagrams. And there's no, this is certainly no exception. As a matter of fact, when you first saw this was when I first came aboard in, uh, in early 2005, and I presented this kind of concept to you. But it is a vision-driven organization. And reflecting on that vision and augmenting the vision and explaining the vision in a way is the mission statement as well as the core values of what we believe. In essence, the vision says, this is what we want to be. That's a very simple way of explaining it. A vision is a statement that says, this is what we desire the organization to be. In a church such as ours, what the vision statement should say, this is what God has called us to be. This is what he's called us to be. A mission statement says, this is what we're all about. This is uh, what we do. This is why we exist. This is the whole reason why we are here. That's the mission statement. It's a doing thing, whereas the vision is a seeing thing for the future. And core values that reflect on that and augment it and give direction to it says 
this is what we believe. This, these are the things that we hold dearly and most deeply as an organization, as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ. This re- relates to the distinctives of the unique aspect of why this church is here, and I'm meaning here, literally, at the corner almost of Bull Valley Road and Illinois Route 31. This is why God's placed us here. This is why we're not somewhere else right now. We desired many years ago to be somewhere else. But God has not saw fit that we, that we are somewhere else. He's placed us here, and we're here for a specific purpose. And the core value statement of our church says much about that. I did some research on this, and basically I, I came across a, a fellow by the name of, uh, of Dr. Um, matter of fact, he's Aubrey Malfers of Dallas Theological Seminary. He wrote some real keen insights into the whole thing of core beliefs and why it's important to us. And also... Uh, as I was doing that research, I understood, and this is why the pastor is going to be following on with a series of seven sermons on the seven core values of the Christian Missionary Alliance. He's going to preach one of them each Sunday to talk about why they are our core values and what, it, what impact they have on us and how we live and move and have our being as a church, as a denomination, and hopefully even as individuals. It was my privilege, as I was mentioning ago, to, to play a role in that aspect of strategic planning where I learned something about the process. I had a better understanding of it and why it's important. Um, you know, and basically, I can remember a statement going to those who don't plan are going to end up working for those who do. So there's a need for planning and there's a biblical foundation for planning. All you have to do is read through the Proverbs and you can understand that clearly that we ought to have plans as individuals. And that even includes in my latter day uh, at age 71, I need to have plans of some things I need to be doing as God gives me direction and insight. And so I strive to do that. My plans are not nearly as maybe ambitious as they might have been when I was age 41, but nevertheless, God still directs me to do some planning. And I have to do specific things for as God has shown me and given me insight to do. But this morning, I want us to talk about, first of all, the, the essence of what we believe, which is the explanation of core values. I want us to talk about the importance of those core values. And I want us to talk about the, 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 an overview, a very specific overview, of the seven core values of the CNMA. Because that really is our DNA as an organization. Organizations have a genetic code, if you will, and the alliance has a genetic code, and it is expressed very well in those seven particular uh, core value statements. If you look again at that, at that diagram on the back, you kind of see the relationship between core values, vision, and mission. And let me just add this, that flowing from those things, after an organization does the planning to define it, and write a statement that accurately describes their intent and purpose in doing this. Uh, there, are, there ought to be goals established as that what the organization wants to accomplish on a long-term basis. And there are goals that we have had as an organization. And one of them that has come to pass that wasn't existent 10 years ago is that we want to be an organization that, that worships the Lord Jesus Christ in two different languages which is what we're doing. Concurrently, as we speak, there is a Spanish language service going on downstairs. But those goals are the long-term things that take place. The objectives are usually things that we do to establish the steps by which we will accomplish the goals. And those objectives are usually annual things, annual objectives. This is the way we take the first step, and then we do this, and then we do this, and so on. And the objectives are the, the annual steps we're going, to, we're going to take and define so that we can progress toward the longer-range goals. As you, in the business world, it flows even further than this, in that after you have objectives, there are tactical action plans. 
tactical action plans might be uh, a, a statement or a team that's put together of people that are essentially going to accomplish parts of the objective on an annual basis. And you might have four or five or one or two tactical action plans that will be part of the accomplishment of those objectives on the annual basis. But the fact is, the objective plan says, here's who's going to do it. Here are the steps they're going to take. Here's the people that are going to be held accountable day by day and uh, month by month. And so, therefore, that's how the planning process takes place. And that's how it flows out of the diagram. You don't see those here, but that's, in essence, what takes place. Now, this is a good structure, but is it scriptural? Is this something that comes from the business world? Or is it something that has a scriptural or a spiritual foundation? I believe that when you look at the scriptures, and we'll talk about this a little further, you'll see a real need to have an understanding of what it is that we believe as a church. What is it that we hold dear? What is it that we really, truly believe that are the core values of our organization and a church and the way that we go about doing what God has called us to do? And I want to give you a definition. And this is the definition that makes sense, though it's from the world. I want to give it nonetheless. And that is that core values are of principle that guides an organization's internal conduct as well as its relationship to the outside world. Core values are guiding, is a principle that guides the organization's internal conduct as well as its relationship to the external world. I have a definition, as I see it, and I think this is the scriptural, this is the scriptural de uh, definition that I see. Again, you're not going to find this in the scriptures, but you're going to also see that hopefully nothing I say this morning is going to be any contradiction or contrary in any way to the scriptures. It agrees with the scriptures. Core values is a statement of the guiding principles that defines what we believe is the most important, it defines who we are, and it defines what we want to be moving forward. It is, and indeed, you see, a relationship with the vision and the mission of the organization. We have a vision and a mission. As a matter of fact, if you look again on the back part of the, your study guide, right above that one little diagram you see on the left-hand side is our vision mission statement as an organization. And that is that... The Alliance Bible Church is a multicultural church celebrating the life of Christ in us by proclaiming the full message of God's good news to the diverse cultures of McHenry and surrounding communities. The Alliance Bible Church is a, is, believes in discipling believers and living the deeper Christian life. We believe that and our mission is to equip his people for the work of ministry, which is a base strictly right in Ephesians 4. And it also is for the purpose of demonstrating the unconditional love of Jesus to our community through meaningful acts of service. This is the statement that was really um, wordsmithed and agreed upon by the, uh, the leadership team back in the fall of 2009. At that same time, we agreed on a set of values, the core values, if you will. But before I get to that for just a moment, I want to talk to you a little bit about what core values should be and, and how they assist us in realizing the vision and mission. Core values ought to be constant. They ought to be passionate. They ought to be, and they must be, biblical and they should be driving the ministries of the church. Now, what do I mean by that? Constant means that essentially core values aren't something that changes year to year. There might be a core value statement that lends itself to change. But the fact is, is that change takes anywhere from two to four years to occur. We're talking about affecting our culture. And we'll speak more about that in just a moment. But the fact is, is that Change is a difficult thing to bring about in an organization. Sometimes our, our, our core values are reflecting that need for change. 
there is definitely a need for change. But it's hard to, uh, to do with a church that's been established for 55 years like us. Is there a need for change? I'll let you decide that. As you look over the, 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 the core value statement, does that reflect any change that's going to take place? I think it does. But the fact is, is that core values help us to achieve that because it gives us a clear picture of where we're headed and why we're headed in that direction. As I had mentioned before, there's passion here because vision is the seeing word, if you will, the seeing word. That's how we see ourselves in the future. Mission is the doing word. That's what we do. Whereas core values are the feeling word. This is what we get passionate about. The beliefs that we've expressed in that value statement are the things that we ought to be passionate about. There ought to be a passion on our behalf of fulfilling that and of heeding it and and living it in every way. It needs to be biblical. So therefore, it needs to be rooted and grounded in Scripture. You're not going to find the words or the phrase core value in any version of the Bible that I can think of. It doesn't exist. But the things that we've expressed in our value statement reflect scriptural truth or in agreement with the, the scriptures are not contrary in any way or shape to the word of God but reflect the values that God has for us as individuals and as a church collectively and lastly it has to drive the ministries of the church our beliefs are the reason why we do things or for that matter we don't do things so our beliefs are important, and it should drive the ministries. It should, make, it should help us make the decisions that we need to make. Wise, informed, prayerful decisions that God wants us to make through the leadership of the church. It should reflect how we spend our resources, the way we go about spending money, the things that we purchase, or the things that we do with the resources that God gives us. It should define our risk, the risk that we take. And we're going to talk about that in greater detail for the very last uh, value statement of the Alliance is about faith-filled risk. It should talk about how we should approach the solution of our problems. It should, also ref- it should also help us establish the goals that we set for ourselves as an organization and the priorities that we take in getting there. So that's how the core values play an interactive role, if you will, in how we operate as a church, as the scripture says, how we live and move and have our being in Christ. That's important to us because those values are important. Let's talk a moment for the core values or understanding what we believe as it relates to our church. And at the right hand or the right sidebar of your study guide is a five points, five bullet points of those basic core values that have been authored essentially and agreed upon by the leadership team that you have nominated and elected to serve you in the church. And this is what we did in 2009 as we came to this definition of core values. First of all, celebrating the lordship of Jesus Christ through corporate worship in two languages. That's what we do, even as we said a while ago. Even as we speak right now, that's happening in this church. When God in his grace brought me aboard in January, actually it was December of 2004, but when I came aboard and started the work of ministry here in 2005, two languages did not, worship in two languages did not exist. It only came about after about three or four years. Being a member of this church back in the 90s, before we left in 97 to move to Downers Grove, I can remember that we had a Spanish congregation. And, uh, and it was here for a while, maybe a couple of years. I had a difficult time, and it, and, and it dwindled away. But we did have a Spanish congregation. But when we approached this worshiping in two languages, and it became a true core value for us, Uh, If you remember, we agreed to approach it differently. Instead of having two congregations, if you will, two separate churches, we decided to have one with two worship services, one in Spanish and one in English, taking place at the same time at the 10 o'clock hour. 
And it was a different approach, and that's one of the reasons why we have a covenant in this church. As a matter of fact, signed by the district superintendents of the Central Spanish District and the Midwest District of the CNMA, and by the pastors accordingly, both Pastor Paul and Pastor Hector, that essentially says we are one in the faith. We are one church. We worship in two languages. And it is the core value that is there at the top for a purpose. Because God wants us, remember, our vision is to reach the diverse cultures and ethnic groups of McHenry and the surrounding environs. The second one is boldly proclaiming the fullness of his gospel, Jesus Christ as Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. This is important because we hold to the fourfold gospel, Jesus as our Savior, our Sanctifier, our healer and coming king. This expresses the uniqueness not only of our denomination, but of this church here in McKinley. And it is the proclamation of that gospel, boldly proclaiming it in this community that God has placed us here to do for a purpose. And that's the fullness of the gospel would be proclaimed. Not just part of the fullness, but all of the fullness. And that's what it is when we talk about Jesus not only is our Savior, but he's our sanctifier. He's our healer. He is the coming king, the Lord of lords and king of kings. And it is important that we worship him accordingly. And this is why it's one of the core values, as we say, in the, uh, in the, in the CNMA. Thirdly, building up one another in love through small group community, prayer, and discipleship. That doesn't make us unique in a way, but there's a great emphasis on that. And when I was called here in December of 2004, and I praise God, as I've told you a hundred times, I delight in saying it again and again, God saved the best for last in my case. After 40 years in the business world, he brought me to this place and allowed me this glorious opportunity of, of, of leadership and servantship here at the Alliance Bible Church. And that was to start a small group ministry. We were a church that had some small groups. We hope to become a church of small groups. But more than that, we hope that the small groups will be the way that we really truly most effectively minister to one another. That's the most effective way that we have for equipping the saints for the work of service. As we said in our vision statement, that's one of the things that God has called us to do is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And the most effective way of doing that is not in a worship service at 8 o'clock or at 10 o'clock, but through the ministry of people using their spiritual gifts in a small group setting so that you might grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus and fellowship with one another, but that you might be built up in love accordingly. That's why God's called us to be here. It also is important to understand that God calls every congregation to prayer and to discipleship. And we certainly have a requirement here to begin to pray for one another. This is the thing we, this is why we still have a midweek prayer service. For many churches have since given up that a long time ago. But all, I can, I, as I've done before, I invite you to be blessed on Wednesday night by coming to the school of prayer at the Alliance Bible Church in McKinley. You're going to be blessed as you do it. The next core value is serving our community through meaningful acts of service. Perfect example of that, as we've done in the past and as we will do this August, is the backpack bash. What a great way to serve this community. What a way to help children gather their school supplies for the coming year. Children especially from families who can't afford to do that. It's amazing how much a child has to spend. If you look at the list, that some schools publish of the school, school supplies required for the coming school year. It's just kind of amazing. I wonder how some families do it. But we're able to minister accordingly here by providing that service to our community. That's just one thing. The Family Vacation Bible School is another. We have done other seminars and we have workshops and we've had workshops in the past. But that's a way that we can serve our community unselfishly 
and in a way that, uh, that reflects the glory of Christ. We don't do it to draw attention to ourselves. We just do it because God's asked us to serve our community. That's why he's placed us here. And that's what we need to do. The last one is this, that we obey the call of the Great Commission through sacrificial support of missions of every kind. Missions is our middle name as a denomination. And we also have, out of this church, have had a unique ability to give generously to missions of every kind, not only to the Great Commission Fund, which which obviously is the means by which the denomination out of Colorado Springs sends forth missionaries to push back the darkness. But we also have been able to serve, to send people out of here who are members of our church. And, and we just uh, had a blessing not too long ago uh, as uh, one of our former members came, a young man and his wife came to celebrate with us and tell us what they're going to be doing in their future mission for China. We have people that we've sent around the world and that's a wonderful thing to be able to do as witnesses, if you will. So we, this is the missions of every kind. We have, uh, and, and, and some of you give generously to the Hallbergs as they do the, the completion of uh, the gospel in, in foreign languages through, uh, through, through Whitcliffe. So these are just some of the things that we do. These are important to us, worshiping God in two languages. Boldly proclaiming the fullness of the fourfold gospel. Building up one another through small groups, prayer, discipleship, and serving our community through meaningful acts of services and, and, and obeying the call of the Great Commission to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations and teach them to observe all, as Christ said, that I have commanded you. That's what our calling is. That's the uniqueness that's the distinctives of the Alliance Bible Church in attendance. And this is why God, I think, has put us right here at the time. I want to talk about how core values facilitate the adoption of positive change. Because core values are going to be not only a reflection, but hopefully an agent of change for uh, the things that we do. And there, there's a change, obviously, that's going to take place, whether we like it or not. And all we have to do is look at the technology of our day and age. And this is another reason why we're making an appeal for sacrificial giving in, with respect to the computer systems of the church. It's the way that we're able to generate our work here. And you would think that once you've spent several thousand dollars for computer equipment, you would never need to do anything else. But that's not the way it works. I've got one at home that's going on eight years. And it's, uh, it's getting a little more difficult every morning that I turn it on. Uh, and sometimes it becomes about as uncooperative as it can possibly be. Mysterious things happen. We don't know why, but they just do. The fact is, we need to replace that equipment. It has to be replaced on a periodic basis. That's for reality. It's kind of like um, making a car where it becomes obsolete, and after a period of time you look at it and it just becomes ugly. You say, why did I ever buy that thing? You go looking at comparing it to a new one. The fact of the matter is, is that we have to buy and invest in equipment in our office in order to get our jobs done in the ministries at the Alliance Bible Church in McHenry. So therefore, that kind of change takes place whether we like it or not. Other changes take place, such as if you look back 10 years ago, there was no Spanish congregation here, or not in the sense of being a part of our church. There might have been one meeting here in the building, but the fact of the matter was is it was separate and apart. There was just not the thing that we're doing today, which is worshiping and celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ in two distinct languages, Spanish and English. So a change took place. Our core values statement reflects that change and hopefully encourages us as God will give us the ability to adopt to an even more diverse McHenry as it becomes. Maybe someday we'll be meeting in another language, some other language. We don't know what, but God will probably have us doing that. But the fact is, is that we have a church now meeting in two languages. Change, by the way, is a difficult thing. So this is why core values 
plays a role in helping us facilitate the change and understanding why we need to change. And I will have to admit to you, as I stand here this morning, that uh, I had the opportunity in my last phase of business career back in, at, at the turn of, uh, of the de- uh, turn of the millennium uh, in the year 2000 to work for an organization that sold, I thought, what was really excellent, um, um, an excellent sales process to help organizations improve the way they did business. My role, and this is a strange title, was called that of an engagement manager. Did not mean that I arranged marriages. But what it did mean is that we had our partners come along and sell basically a process of improving the whole way that the company did business in their sales force. And they sold that to an organization like IBM. And then along came a guy like me as an engagement manager who was responsible for the implementation of that process within the client organization. The whole goal of that implementation process would be to institutionalize the way that that company did business, to to institutionalize the change in the way that they did business. And to institutionalize something is far different than buying a program and throwing it against the wall and hoping it'll stick. It means that you change the way that that company actually operates on a daily basis. You change the whole thought process, and it's not an easy thing to do. And so part of my, my responsibility was to start with the executive management of the organization and explain it to them and fully get their buy-in and then to have it essentially trickle down and to facilitate it. It was a whole process involved in making sure it trickled down and got down to the, grass, the grassroots level of the organization so that that change took place. It became institutionalized. That's the difficulty we face sometimes. None of us really like change, and I would be one of the foremost among them. I was saying to the crowd earlier this morning, I'm kind of like my dog. He likes to do certain things on a routine basis every day, and he likes to do it the same way every morning. And we be, it's a routine. It's just become the, th- the, way, the thing we do every morning when we first get up. The fact is, is that we don't like to change, but sometimes we have to. Sometimes we have no choice. Our culture has changed around us. I grew up in the 50s, and I can guarantee you the culture today that influences young people is far different than the culture of the 50s. Far, far different. And they'll, and by the way, that culture will never come back. You might see it in the movies, you might see it on TV, but you're not going to see it in reality. It just doesn't. Things have changed to such a degree that it can't come back. So the fact is, is that culture, culture, which is, by the way, well-defined a long time ago, culture is the way we do things around here. That's the simplest definition of culture. Good definition. The way we do things around here. And so culture is going to have to be impacted. And that kind of thing must change. And it's a slow process by which it's done. Again, this is why we need to be impacted. We need to be diligent about being sure that any change we're trying to affect is rooted and grounded in the Scriptures. And it is for the glory of Jesus Christ. Not for the glory of mankind, but for the glory of Jesus Christ and the building up of His kingdom and the body of believers at this church. Behavior is another thing that has to be impacted. And hopefully the core value statement we have as an organization and as a denomination will have influence on our behavior, the way we act, the way we treat one another, the way we go about doing our business day by day. So core values express the changes we hope to make as well as those that we intend to reject. Not everything that is current in today's culture that we want a part of. There is a movement in evangelical Christianity of which we, I hope, will never have a part. There is a movement of political correctness that is prevalent in our society that I think absolutely is dangerous beyond comprehension because it says you can't think a certain way anymore. It's not politically correct. 
and I was reading in, uh, in National Review just the other day about the influence of political correctness in Canada. What a tragic thing has happened there. Because it, even the Catholic Church has been informed, by the way, that they will no longer be able to do certain things, that they must change what they teach. Literally, this is still in the court system, but it's being decided. But they've been instructed that they had to change the way they were teaching people. Now, that is, you talk about government intrusion. That's the ultimate as far as I'm concerned. And it all came about in the 1980s as political correctness really began to run amok among people's thinking. Let's talk about the core values of the Christian Missionary Alliance and why they're important to us. And if you look there in point three of your outline, you'll see there, there are seven core values. First of all, the first core value says this, lost people matter to God. God wants them found. Let me give you the perfect mission statement, by the way. The most perfect mission statement I've ever heard in my life that succinctly, directly to the point says the purpose that this individual had in life. You'll find it in Luke 19.10, and it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Is there a better mission statement than that one? That's the mission of Jesus Christ. That's why God the Father sent him to earth, to seek and to save those who were lost. Therefore, the Christian Missionary Alliance says, God wants the lost found. And this is why missions is our middle name. This is why we go, therefore, and preach the gospel to all nations. This is why we teach them to observe all the things that Christ has commanded us. The second one says this. Prayer is the primary work of God's people. And it says in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. Prayer is the primary work of God's people. And as I mentioned before, Paul's going to preach on each one of these specifically and what it means to us, but prayer is one of the callings of this church. I can remember seeing the very first kind of declaration of our values and we had, in the old bulletins, you can remember several years ago, uh, we had light. As, and we had it down the way, and it said, uh, I think we call them the acoustic or one of them, I can't remember. But anyway, it had light, and it was talking about life and light in Christ Jesus. And, and one of the things that we did was intercession. I stood for intercession, interceding for others. And that's what it's about on Wednesday evenings, interceding for others. And that's what we come to the throne of grace by each time we gather. And he's in our midst because of these promises made to us. We intercede for those who are lost. We intercede for the community. We intercede for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We intercede that God would heal. We intercede in ways in which God can work. The third, everything we have belongs to God. We are his stewards. A word that has become mysteriously almost extinct and Christendom today, but the fact is it's a great word because it reflects this. As King David gathered in the latter stage of his life, one of the things that he did for his son Solomon was to gather all the materials for the building of the temple. As a matter of fact, in First Chronicles 29:14, you'll see these words. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as for all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. Everything belongs to God. David was astounded by the generosity, and he gave generously out of his own wealth. And so did all those in leadership within Israel give generously. But David was astounded by the giving of the people 
he never had imagined that they would give with such generosity. Because the people realized that it was God who had blessed them. It was God who was the giver. And they were giving back to God a portion of what God had generously given to them. And we are his stewards. And we need to assume that, that there's nothing we can do apart from him. Everything he's given us is his. And we are to give generously accordingly as God leads us. The next, knowing and obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. In Joshua 1.8, Joshua said, or God said to Joshua, I should say, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then you will be prosperous, and then you will find success. Find success. True success is not success as the world defines it. That is the success that God gives as he prospers his people, as he sees fit as we are able to stand it, if you will. But the fact is, is that that comes from God. And if we are to obey him and to heed his word and to make it a part of the way that we live and move and have our being, then God is able to do things through us that we cannot even begin to imagine. Completing the Great Commission will require the mobilization of every devoted disciple the mobilization of every devoted disciple. That's the only way that we're going to be able to do it. And when you look back in the history of the Christian Missionary Alliance, when A.B. Simpson began this in the 19th century, one of the underlying purposes by which he did it was the fact that he was a believer in the coming king. That if if we could hasten the day when Jesus would come again, it would be by the proclamation of the gospel throughout the world. And so therefore, he said, let's get busy to get this done. Let's get it done. Let's preach the gospel to all nations. Let's do it in our Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And A.B. Simpson had a passion for that, an absolute passion to get it done. And that's one of, it's been always one of the hallmarks of, of the Christian National Alliance, which did not start as a denomination, did not happen until the 20th century, but began as a missionary movement that emphasized the deeper life in Christ Jesus. It sprung from a Pentecostal movement, if you will, and a, a belief in spiritual gifts and divine healing as God could give, and only God could give. But it began in that way with a great emphasis on missions. And so therefore, we need to mobilize every devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ to this end. Next, without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can accomplish nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And he also said in, through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, 4-5, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. And so as a Christian organization, we ought to seek the empowering presence of God's Holy Spirit. We ought to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that the overflow of our life might be poured out a blessing upon those with whom we come in contact day by day. So therefore, God says, I will empower you. Remember he told the disciples before he ascended to heaven, wait until you receive power from on high. That power has been present since the day of Pentecost, and it is available to you and I if we humble ourselves, repent, and give ourselves to God, and allow his Holy Spirit to work through our lives as he sees fit. And he will give us the power, the wisdom, the strength, the knowledge, the insight that we need to live in a way that reflects the glory of Christ in our life. So that's another thing we need to do. That's another hallmark of our denomination. We seek the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, achieving God's purposes means taking faith-filled risks. This always involves change. 
faith-filled rest. I mentioned in the service this morning earlier that I can kind of appreciate this. I didn't think of it until I was standing before you. But this church take, took a faith-filled risk when it hired me in December of 2004. There was no way in the world you could look at the budget and say, we ought to do this. Not only did you hire me, but you hired a young man who was going to uh, Trinity Theological Seminary as the pastor of evangelism. I was to come aboard as the director of small groups and church business manager. But the fact is that that was a significant change in the way we were doing things around the Alliance Bible Church in McHenry at the time. And there was no way that you could see that it could happen. And yet God provided miraculously for us. But even more miraculously is the fact that I still stand before you, even today, as a paid staff member, if you will. Even though God had saved the best for last, I could never imagine in my wildest imagination that I would be approaching, uh, actually, uh, eight years. I've been here eight years. It just doesn't seem possible. That only can happen when we take faith-filled risks. What do we mean by that? In Hebrews 11:6, he says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. I like the old King James, those who diligently seek him. God's a rewarder of those who live by faith. That involves taking risks at times. I don't mean risk in human terms. Stepping out in faith, as we've called it in the past. The fact is, is that we need to step out in faith to do certain things. We're stepping out in faith, if you way, as we ask God to provide for our needs so that we might repair ten windows, which we're going to take a look at, just part of them, after this service, by the way. The fact is, is that uh, God's asking us to take risk as we maybe repair a ramp for the lower level so that uh, we can get handicapped people in and out of the lower level of our church. The fact is, is that we're doing this maybe in the face of the thing that we we thought for sure that by the time this came about, uh, the road project would be underway, but it's not going to happen for two or three years, if not longer. So the fact is, is that we're asked, we're we're really kind of taking a faith-based risk, faith-filled risk, to go do these projects God's given us this building. might not be the most glorious one on the face of uh, of Christendom, but God's given it to us nonetheless, and he expects us to take care of it, for it is his. It's not ours. It's his. And I think back in Old Testament times when Israel allowed the temple of God to fall in disrepair, and they were admonished for it. And there was a time, and whenever there came a time of great revival, guess what was one of the first things they did? They refurbished the temple. And so God was able to work through that to bring true revival to the people. And perhaps that's one of the things we need to do. We need to refurbish this temple. It's not a temple as in Old Testament times. But the fact is is that this is God's building. And we have a charge to take care of it. The same thing applies to the houses or apartments in which we live. Wherever it is, God has given it to us. And he's given us stewardship over it. And that means in stewardship that we ought to leave a place better than when we found it. That's always been my approach as I've lived through life, is to practice that principle. And I had a couple of people back in the days when Rita and I used to rent that had told me, boy, I sure appreciate the fact that you take care of places. It sure makes my job easy. And I had one guy saying, you know, if you're going to move, would you please move into one of my properties? You know, but it was just not a feasible thing to do. But the fact is, it was a compliment, and I appreciated that. But I, God gave me a an attitude of stewardship in that respect, that we ought to take care of God, what God's given us. Let me conclude by saying this. The core value statement that you see in your sidebar on your study guide was crafted by the uh, leadership team who you appointed and elected to this church back in 2009. And the purpose of that whole statement was to provide a set of guiding principles, if you will, the things that we believe, the things we consider most important, 
Those are the principles by which we ought to operate that would guide us in our work of ministry at the Alliance Bible Church. That's the whole purpose by which we crafted it. Also, the vision mission statement is a reflection of those core beliefs and accentuates and defines the distinctives of our organization, of our church, of our, of our whole approach to ministry, if you will. It accentuates those because God has made us distinctly different. I think we're different than any church in McHenry. In McHenry County, in the environs, and much further even in between. God, if, the, if no other reason for the fact that we worship God in two languages, that's one of the things that God's done for us. And also, our best choice is that we would mobilize locally, if, we, if you will, as the fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, to unite behind the mission, vision, and core values that we have defined. They're there for a purpose, and we ought to live by them. We ought to remember them, and we ought to think on them and meditate on them as to how that relates, because hopefully you will agree with me that these things come sprung forth, essentially, from Scripture and the principles of God's Word. If they didn't, they're of man. And if they are of man, they are really of no use to the kingdom of God. But I pray they're of God. And there will be guiding principles for us to do ministry at the Alliance Bible Church in the country. In the next seven weeks, Paul will preach on, on each one of these core value statements in the Christian and Missionary Alliance that we might have a better understanding of how God wants to work through us in this place, in this time, among us as members of the Alliance Bible Church. Father God, we thank you so much for your mercy and grace toward us. We thank you for your generous gifts that you've lavished upon us by your grace and mercy. And we thank you above all else for Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the core values that we have, not only as a denomination, a gathering of believers, but as a church here in McHenry. Thank you that you've called us to be here, to this place, in this time. And Father, we pray and we leave it in your hands that you will guide and lead us wherever you want us to go, whenever you want us to go, under what conditions you want us to go. But we pray above all else that Jesus Christ would be glorified in this, and that he would be lifted up, and he alone would receive the glory that's due unto him. Father, give us wisdom and insight, and we ask for your blessings of grace and mercy to continue. We ask that Jesus would continue to be glorified in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. In his precious name we pray. Amen.